0: Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Utebe, To Be A Podcast. I am your host, Raj Baines, and joining me is Rory Benson. Rory, how are you? Very well, thanks. Excellent. Monday, obviously, there was the game, so we didn't do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, I was sent to London as punishment, I think. Um
1: <laughs> to try and sort this out. Okay.
0: Yeah, so so we, uh, we couldn't record then, so we're catching up now. West Ham, probably the best place to start, the most important place to start. I guess you were the you were there for us. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your impressions of the game? If you start with the first half,
1: yeah, first half it was just the town just weren't at the races at all. They couldn't hold the ball. West Ham, you know, every time every time they did get the ball, it, there was a sloppy pass or something, they kept pinging back to West Ham, and they had town under a lot of pressure. Um, early on Schindler sort of was getting used to playing Andy Carroll afterwards he really after like the first few minutes he got into it and, and kept Andy Carroll quiet all game which is no mean feat um, but then they had Javier Hernandez up front as well who hit the bar and it was just it was all West Ham they were going straight for town you could tell that they wanted to get the crowd on side immediately um, and and just try and you know give them something to cheer about because they haven't really had that down in uh, in, uh in East London for very long. So, uh, yeah, first half was, was really poor from a town perspective. Just didn't keep the ball like they have done at the start of the season and in the championship season last year. Second half, they kept the ball a bit better. Still going forward, looked pretty blunt. Um, and to be honest for me, West Ham deserved it. They got a fluky goal at the start. Yeah, but they deserved to take the three points. I think David Wagner has admitted that and, uh, hopefully we get a better performance out of town uh, at the weekend against leicester
0: if we look at the the first half in isolation specifically to start with i don't think anyone's fooling themselves and, and saying that town were the better team or or even on west ham's level for for that part there are some concessions i would make in in saying that the style of football west ham played i don't think Huddersfield were expecting there seemed to be a perfect storm for that style of football as well, the weather, the wind the, the first occasion back at home that seemed to be contributing factors to what West Ham would have I don't think necessarily that brand of football would have been as effective elsewhere I think it was they were slightly fortunate in the conditions in which they were playing. I don't want to blame the weather and and the occasion as being sort of the biggest reason Huddersfield just weren't as good as they usually are. But I think it would be a miss to not recognise the fact that there were more than one thing working for the home team in an advantage.
1: Yeah, possibly. But I don't think as well West Ham, as much as they played the ball long to Andy Carroll regularly... They also built down the wings quite well. Um, Mick Antonio was the best player there on the day, and he was—he was fantastic. He, yeah, he was just—he was burning past Chris Lurver and Tommy Smith in a way that we haven't seen before, really, um, since they both uh, were playing on either wing from the start of last year. So, I, I just think, as much as there are, there are a few things conspiring against Town, and the weather might be one of them, and that kind of thing, they were just second best. Um, especially in the first half. In the second half, they they got a bit better and they probably, I think 2-1 would have been a fairer fairer result in the second half alone, but they deserved to be 3-0 down in the first half anyway because they just were nowhere near, they just didn't get started really. I
0: think uh, the second half was really unfortunate because I think Tam were just starting to, to find their feet as West Ham got their fluky goal. The ball was spending far more time on the floor than it had been. I think that style of football is the opposite of what Huddersfield want to be playing and you're going to have halves at this level where you're second best, no matter who you are. Even the, the best teams have the occasional 45 minutes where they are second best. And while it's sort of fair to say people deserve certain things and West Ham may have deserved to be 3-0 up at halftime, the fact is that they weren't. And when Huddersfield came out and were... More competitive at that time, as the fluky goal went in. This is something we've disagreed about: is that I thought had that not bounced in off Zanker's back, West Ham wouldn't have scored, and the worst that Huddersfield would have done is drawn nil-nil. You say that there's some sort of karmic retribution to that well, goal.
1: I, I wouldn't say it's karma, but I just think that that goal was coming anyway. Even in the second half, Town was still second best. Don't don't get me wrong; they they improved a lot, but they still weren't as good as West Ham were. West Ham deserved the goal. And as much as we can say, you know, it was a fluky goal, it was this, it was that, it went in. Yeah. The the thing that that.
0: I, I point to is that West Ham had changed the style of football they were playing with Andy Carroll still on the field because they hadn't broken through with it. And I think that was a really big hurdle for Huddersfield to get over is that clearly having not won there are some confidence issues there. And the longer you play on that, the more nervy and the the more, you know, the worse they'll play as a result because yeah. the, the more that'll play on their mind, which was clearly happening in the game. And the fact that they'd started to try and play football a bit more, they've started to rush it. They weren't just lumping it long, which is where they'd got their joy previously. I actually think that that could have been a turning point in Huddersfield's advantage. And I think the manner of the goal had they scored a good goal had they scored one of the chances they had made one of the ones that you say are a deserved goal then it would have been an easier pill to swallow from my perspective but because it literally does bounce in off someone's back in the most freaky manner as well because it was top bins and curled and there was no way Lossell could read the flight of the ball it was One of you know, I said to you earlier that he could kick that ball a hundred more times, he did never get it to bounce where he did again. It's just one of those where I felt that it was slightly unfair.
1: Uh, I can see where you're coming from, but I I wouldn't say it was unfair because the fact of the matter is. He did hit the ball, it did hit his <laughs> anchor, and it went in. Like that's just football. The amount of deflected goals you see nowadays, it's just, you know, that's part of football. Um, I would also not say it's unfair because even though town built into the game, they still didn't have any chances by that point. Yeah. Really. Um it seems and, to set
0: the win that of the sales as well, just
1: Yeah, well, I think the thing that we were that I was was focusing on from a town perspective in at half time, you're thinking, right, forty five minutes have gone, it's nil nil. They've been under the cosh massively, but at some point the crowd is going to turn. If if West Ham don't get a goal, the crowd's going to turn, the players are going to start flapping and that's Town's time to strike. Yeah. It, you would think it was around the 70-minute mark when, when they scored. That would be the sort of time where the crowd would turn. The problem is Town didn't even do enough to make the crowd turn. The crowd was still on cheering West Ham on because they were having all the chances and Town had nothing. So it, it's kind of you know it, it, you say it's fluky and that kind of stuff it is fluky but it's one of those things you've just got to accept and and it in the grand scheme of things it's what west ham deserved town didn't deserve any any points on the day and they didn't get any
0: yeah i for me as as i say it's sort of it's the way it happened rather than it happening the thing that is the more difficult way to yeah. di- to digest the match um i think west ham were were good um, in patches I don't think it was particularly clever or you know incisive the way they played I actually think because Carroll came back and it was somewhat as a surprise Huddersfield weren't quite ready for the type of football they were going to play against because it wasn't that's not how West Ham have been playing so far this season mm-hmm. because they haven't had the target man so that early period where there was some adjustments to be made was probably them going okay this isn't what we've been preparing for. True,
1: but I wouldn't say that Town did anything wrong defensively particularly. It was just this, it was a lacklustre performance going forward that cost them. It wasn't, It wasn't. you know, Schindler, after a couple of minutes of getting used to Andy Carroll, he kept him fairly quiet most of the game. Hernandez had maybe one chance where he hit the bar, that was about it. Defensively, apart from Mikel Antonio causing problems down the wings, yeah. defensively Town looked fine. And like the corner, Phil Billing obviously lost his man, but you know it's a corner's a corner. It's a set piece. You 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 wouldn't put that down to the defence particularly. It was just when the ball was getting forward. It was going to Moy. It was going to Billing, who neither of them had the best games ever, but they they still tried to pick a pass and, and look forward. But it was just. There was no there didn't seem to be any impetus going forward, and it that meant that Steve Mounier had to drop back to receive the ball. There's no one up front then, so any long balls just going straight through to the West Ham keeper so it was for me it wasn't that town played it wasn't that West Ham played particularly well it was that town were just so not even bad just just average, just nothing really in a way it was it was just not a performance that you would if you saw that team you wouldn't say that's huddersfield town because it was just so nah it's just <laughs> it's just one of them and it's just that's why um like my ratings afterwards you can't really you couldn't really give anyone that bad a mark yeah because they didn't have the ball for that long for a start but it was just so like drab and it didn't seem to be the fire that we associate with huddersfield town going out to try and win every game so
0: do you think it was sort of International break fatigue or, you know, Aaron Moy wasn't his best. He's been flying everywhere in Australasia.
1: To be honest, I can't really put it down to anything. I think West Ham were up for the game because it was their first home game of the season and town just didn't really turn up on the day. You could say it was because they've, you know, a few of them been jetting around all over the place, but you'd still think, you know, David Varner said Aaron Moy was 100% fit. So if he's 100% fit, You expect a certain standard. Yeah. And it just didn't quite click for them on the day. There's nothing you can really put it down to for me. It was just, just wasn't quite there. Um, But what it does mean is that I think they'll have a point to prove on Saturday when Leicester come. Yeah. um, Especially being back at home. I think if the game had been West Ham at home, we might have seen a different side to town. Um, Yeah, I think it was. uh, Yeah,
0: I agree with that. I think there is, like I said, there was. There were elements on top of just the performance that that I think worked in West Ham's favour. Yeah. Um, not as big a points as Huddersfield playing poorly and then playing better than they have been, but it's just one of those where I think the game meant more to West Ham yeah. given their predicament and given where Huddersfield are it was sort of one of those where they had to be better than what they were, Um, sink or swim, especially for Billich. I don't see him finishing the season as their manager because I can't see them being able to replicate that performance many times this season, Uh, purely because I don't think they're that good. (laughs) So um, when they come to the John Smiths, it's not going to be a game I'd be particularly worried about. No, not at all. It'll be and, a
1: different story, won't it? So. And,
0: and given the performance, I actually think that'll be one where Wagner will have it in the back of his mind and he wants to give him one back because of that, that game as well. Yeah. But if we move on to today, which was the pre-Leicester press conference, yep. uh, first time you've seen David Wagner since his post-West Ham press conference where he was understandably... Peeved.
1: Downbeat, yes. Yes.
0: Um, He still wasn't in the greatest of moods today.
1: Um, Yeah, he was... He's usually... He comes in, big smile on his face, you know, has a bit of a chat. Cracks a few jokes. Yeah, this time he was very much, you know, straight into the chair. Hi, everyone, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if it was that he was in a bad mood, but I think it's just that that he knows that town didn't play to their best. Um, he didn't. They didn't put the performance in that he expects of them against West Ham. And I think, in a way, it showed that he was determined. You know, this is the way he took the press from us today. Is the way he's going to take the game on Saturday. He's going to be there. He's going to lay down what he expects, and then that's you know that's what it's going to be. There's not going to be any fills or anything like that. It's going to be back down to business. Um, I think he was also a bit upset. By the Casey Palmer news, um, yes, that he's he's going to be injured for at least two months and possibly more. Um, understandably, because you know he's he's a player that Casey Palmer himself he, he looks up to David Wagner. I think David Wagner has, has helped him on a lot, and I think they've got a good relationship. So so to say that he's out for two months is obviously not good news. Um But yeah you just got the you got the impression today that david wagner is going to get the best out of his players at the weekend because of what happened on monday
0: i think it's almost encouraging that you can see how much these results affect him because as much as he's happy and and sort of jovial after a, a win the opposite side of that is that you know he's clearly got his head down now and if anything you'll have seen this press conference as a unwelcome distraction from mm-hmm. getting the players back out of their training because they they train more after a loss than they do after a win I don't think anyone would be surprised to hear that they're obviously in earlier than they would be they're, they're training harder they're yeah. given different tasks no days off and, and that sort of a thing it's not punishment but it's sort of Readdressing standards, especially yeah. after the performance against West Ham, which is is yeah. always good to hear, because I think it's important, especially after we've made so much of their professionalism and their work rate and their desire and that team mentality. Uh, the fact that they won't allow that to slide, regardless, I mm-hmm. think is is important, win or loss.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think he he as well after the loss. As much as looking at the players' performance, he'll also look at what him and his backroom staff did uh, for the game. Whether he felt that they had enough information, maybe maybe they didn't focus on Andy Carroll or something like that because they ex- didn't expect him to play. Um, so he'll be he'll be assessing the players, he'll be assessing himself, and he'll be you know determined to come back afterwards and and get back to winning ways, which you know Town have have done well in the past. Um, he said today that. Uh, sorry, uh, Andrew Hughes. Sorry, said on I think it was Radio Leeds yesterday that you know it'll be interesting to see how town how town react because in the championship most of the time they reacted very well to to adversity. So you know we'll we'll see what happens against Leicester. But what one thing I think we can safely predict is that it will be a better performance than the one that was put in against West Ham.
0: The second person up in front of the media was uh, Matthias Jorgensen, better known to you and I as Zanka. Yes. Um, first time he's been put in front of the media, first time he's really spoken to us directly. Um are your impressions of him? He, he's obviously come with a bit of a reputation from Denmark as having a bit of a gift of the gab and, and being a bit confident of himself. Has that come across when he speaks?
1: Yeah, he, he comes across as a confident guy. Um <laughs> he's kind of he's got one of those infectious smiles where you know it's kind of a bit of a cheeky smile and you can't help but smile along with him so no he was he was good value he, he spoke highly of Christopher Schindler said he you know he sees him as sort of an international class player um, which was you know I think that's what all town fans see Christopher Schindler as if he was anything um, but German exactly exactly. <laughs> um, but no he, he seemed confident in, in his ability he did say that there were some bits of you know, the the previous games that he would change that he's done in particular, but he feels like he's building a relationship with Christopher Schindler. They've got a good communication between them and across the whole back four. Uh he said it helps that Jonas Lossel's there so he can speak a bit of Danish and that kind of thing. But no, he came across that he was really enjoying his time with with Huddersfield. Um he seems to have settled in really, really well and really quickly. Uh and I think that that reflects both on him and on the squad in general because it's that's something that David Wagner puts a lot of of weight on, you know, being able to gel and having that team spirit from the word go, and it it seems to have, have paid off with Zanka because his performances as well. Maybe his his passings not being great on a couple of occasions, but I feel like he's if if you judge him on on the back of you know other centre backs who've come straight into the Premier League, I think he started pretty well compared to a few a few other other players uh, throughout history.
0: He's obviously gonna be getting better over time as well. Mm-hmm. It's a completely new setup and team and he's at Copenhagen for so long that it's obviously yeah. gonna take a little bit of time for, for that to settle in. I mean, Christopher Schindler wasn't Christopher Schindler overnight for Huddersfield. There were I don't think there were any particularly shaky games at the start, but he wasn't as dominant and confident in himself. That he wasn't the player we see today stepping out and making mm-hmm. a difference. Um so it's important to at the same time give him a bit of a, a leash to you know, bed himself in properly before yeah. he's he's judged too harshly, which I think one or two might be because he does make the odd eye-catching poor ball and and stuff, which we've said before is is a sign of his confidence, and that's not something you want him to cut out of his game necessarily. It's just something you want him to do to the standards we expect of him, which he should be able to in time once he you know, he gauges where his full backs are gonna be and, and the style of football he's playing in now. Probably the biggest news from today was Casey Palmer's injury. You touched on it previously, uh, very briefly, but if we discuss it in a bit more detail, um sounds like it's another injury to do with his hamstring. Not directly his hamstring, but the muscle and tendon around it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's the space between the muscle and the tendon apparently is is has been damaged on, on England under twenty one duty.
0: Uh, which is a shame because it's not even something that's benefited us. Uh, it's something that's come from the national team. It's obviously positive news that he's got a call-up and it's deserved that he has given his performances, but it's not ideal when they come back off international duty crocked. Uh, David Wagner, as you alluded to, did not seem too amused by it himself. Likely to go back to Chelsea for some rehab as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, he'll go back to Chelsea. Um I think Izzy Brown, who suffered an injury for Brighton as well, has gone back to Chelsea. Uh, so they can catch up on, on their Huddersfield town days together there. Um, I think one thing to mention about it was that Palmer suffered the injury. He felt something in the first game he played for the 21s. Yeah, um, and I think he only played 20 minutes, but he felt it and then continued to train on it for 10 days and also played 70 minutes of the next match with it. Um, came back to Huddersfield five minutes of training and it, it, it he said he couldn't continue. So David Wagner was quick to point out that he wasn't blaming England or, or Casey Palmer or anything like that. He said, maybe Casey next time, if he feels something should, should stop. But I think David Wagner knows it's just, there's no point pointing the finger at anyone, whether it be England or Palmer or the Huddersfield town medical team or whoever. Um, It's just one of those things that happens and you've got to sort of deal with it and get on with it. Um, I think it it may leave leave them slightly thin on the ground in the number ten position because um, now they've got Siberian and Ince and I think the consensus is Ince should be playing on the wing but he's now going to have to play ten a few games more um, so yeah it's 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 a shame for Palmer especially because he missed quite a bit of last year out with injury and I think you know when he fir- when he first came he said he had unfinished business here and it looks like. You know, if he's out for another... He's going to have to three stand permanently f- at this rate.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he um, a concern, though, because this is his third hamstring injury in quick succession, and these things have a habit of, you know, becoming a bit of a narrative, and players, you know, are called sick note, and they get these sorts of reputations for being injury-prone. I think they even have a setting on FIFA for injury-prone players, so that's how much of a, a thing it's become mm-hmm. he's in danger of entering that territory if he's not there already and the fact that it's such similar injuries on every occasion as well is it's somewhat worrying Is there has there been any talk of surgery to repair it permanently or is this one of those things that he just has to rest off and, and try the, and grow they,
1: out of they, they didn't really go in David Varder didn't go into much detail it. he said they've got, still got scans and stuff to do so there's, there's no sort of indication of surgery or anything like that. You say, you know, injury prone. To be honest, you can call him what, what you like. No one wants to see Casey Palmer out injured, whether it be a Huddersfield Town player or a uh, Huddersfield Town fan or a football fan anyway. You know, he's a young player. It's, it's a shame for him to get sort of repetitive injuries in the same area. You just hope that although they're in the same area, they're not the same injury. Um, because you look at say say Michael Owen who had a reoccurring re- uh, hamstring injury, lost all his pace, um, which was what Michael Owen dealt in sort of. So you you hope that although it's a hamstring injury, it's not the same and it's just another one that he needs to strengthen. And it's it'll be up to Chelsea, but it'll also be up to Huddersfield Town in. In like obviously, you want to play Casey Palmer. You want him to be on the pitch. You don't want him to just be sat on the sidelines all the time. But being a young player, you also have to think of what's best for his career and what's best. You know, I, you know. I don't expect Town or Chelsea to rush him back because he's a player who has who has a big career ahead of him, and no one wants to see that sort of tainted by injury problems for another five years or so, you know. It's a
0: shame as well because he's, he's come through a, a heavy pre-season fit. Yeah. And yeah. You, you think if there was some underlying injury problem there, David Wagner's double sessions in the Syrian heat is going to pop your hamstring more than, you know, 10 minutes for England under 23s is.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, it's just it's just one of those things though, isn't it? You can pick up an injury at any time. So, you know, I think... It's been quite you know, a few footballers over the years, just like slipping at home and being injured and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it. It's just it's as I said before, it's just a shame because he's such a talent, and a, I think he can really bring something to this Huddersfield Town team. Um, so it's just a shame we're not going to see him as much as as we could have done at the start.
0: In lighter injury news, there were updates about Jonathan Hogg, Martin Craney and Colin Kwaner. Uh What were those?
1: Yeah, obviously Jonathan Ogham, Martin Crane being out for the start of the season. Um, they were both back in full training on Sunday. Um, so David Varner said they'll be in contention for selection for the weekend. I don't imagine they will play. I think it'll be that you may see one of them on the bench, but I imagine they'll both come back for Crystal Palace in the, the Cup next week, midweek. Um, Colin Kwaner was kept out of the game on Monday because of a knee injury picked up in Hamburg he was back in full training today so it's unlikely we'll see him at the weekend as well but again he might be in contention for Palace and it's that Palace game in the Carabao Cup is going to be the one where you know you you can give those players minutes under their belt to try and get them back a bit quicker so I think that's where we'll see most of them back
0: I don't think it's a coincidence either that the first matchday squad that Colin Kwanagh wasn't part of Huddersfield have lost uh, yeah, I think
1: he is, he is the <laughs> vital cog in the Huddersfield town the Machine. the backbone of is, uh, yeah. of every
0: success that Huddersfield yeah. have had. Um, if we preview the Leicester game a, a little bit, uh, start with some injury news for them as well, since we've in that area, they've got Christian Fuchs who's out because the way I was had it explained to me earlier from somebody who works for the Leicester Mercury is that you know those training poles they have stuck in the ground that they mm. slalom through. As he was slalom, we shouldn't laugh, as he was slaloming through some training poles, somebody kicked a ball which hit the training pole which then the end of that hit him in the
1: eye. The pointy end?
0: No, the, the <laughs> top end. There are videos and pictures of Jamie Vardy throwing those training poles as javelins. So this could be an elaborate cover-up from Leicester. <laughs> But he apparently a training pole smacked him in the face and hit him directly in the eye and he's not done too well for him. He's got to see a specialist today, um, but he's almost definitely out of the game tomorrow, which means that Ben Chilwell, who everyone here will be more than aware of after his eight games on loan during the 2015-16 mm-hmm. season, he's very active in congratulating and talking about Huddersfield still on Twitter. I think he very much enjoyed his time here. Yeah. Really um, player as well yeah he'll be getting a, a run out in his place
1: yeah yeah I think it, uh, as well I think town fans are like to see him you know he, he, as you say he's, if he he's, doesn't play too well though like, yeah exactly, <laughs> but no he's, he's he's an exceptional young talent and you know he's going to have a, a Premier League career ahead of him as well
0: there have been quite a few um, interested in him, apparently. There was Tottenham and Liverpool, I think, were linked and Leicester have done well to keep hold of him because he's in the England youth setup. up I think that the way he played on loan at Huddersfield and the way he's carried that form into the few games he's been given for Leicester, including Champions League minutes, have been really impressive. So I yeah, think well, this, this as
1: well might be the, the time for him to then sort of take, take that with two hands with, with Fuchs out, so... I Hopefully think he doesn't play too well,
0: yeah, but. I think Fuchs would be annoyed if he loses his place because a training pole smacked him in the face. But funnier things have happened.
1: Yeah, well he's he must be thirty two, thirty-three now, Christian Fuchs, so
0: he's getting on. Mm. Um also Matty James, who obviously famously had that almost two three year injury layoff. I think it's six hundred and eighty five days he was out. Yeah, massive. Wasn't it? Um or even eight hundred and sixty five, it was something like that. There's a lot of time he was injured for Um, he's got an Achilles problem at present so he's likely to miss out Um, we hope it isn't serious for his sake because you don't want him to miss too many minutes but it's probably good in the short term for Huddersfield it means that Vicente Ibarra is likely to deputise for him who they signed from Valencia so he should be capable but it is his first game so it might be able to to catch him cold in there in with uh, Ndidi so what given that in mind, given that their team likely picks itself, we've run for it, Schmeichel, Chilwell, Maguire, Morgan, Simpson, Ebora. Ibora. I just haven't said his name <laughs> I forgot it. Ibora and Didi, um, Okazaki, Vardy, and then either side, Albrighton and Mares. Four four two. Yeah. Uh, more of a 4-4-1-1 in truth because Okazaki plays almost directly behind Vardy mm. um, but you know exactly what you're getting from Leicester and as much as that's their strength and that they know exactly what they're doing it's also their weakness because Huddersfield know exactly what they're going to do at the same yeah. time so it's not as if there are any surprises in preparing for this match
1: No, not at all Um I think it's just a different challenge for, for Huddersfield. It, it seems to be every every weekday in the Premier League, you get a different challenge. So, you know, you had Christian Benteke and, and Zaha to deal with first up. And then Newcastle, Matt Rich is probably their biggest threat and Christian Atsu on the wings. And then uh, going into Southampton, Gabbiadini and and also the wide players they have there. Again, different ty- types of players. Uh, and then Andy Carroll and, and Chicharito. So it's... Again, Vardy and Okazaki cause, cause different problems to what what the, the last pair did. Um, Vardy, in particular, in terms of his pace and being able to run him behind, and just the engine that he has to run the whole game will be will be one that Town need to look out for. And, and Okazaki, for he just seems to get in the right position for to score goals. Um, I remember the the first the goal he scored against Arsenal, first game of the season, he was just. From a corner, I don't know how how Shinji Okazaki scores from a corner, but with a little overhead kick. But yeah, they're, they're they're wily players. They're they're both quick. They'll cause different problems for for Town. But on the other side of the pitch, you know, their defence is is reasonably shaky. <laughs> to say that Wes Morgan and Danny Simpson have Premier League winning medals, you know, it's I, I think you would have got a fair uh, fair few odds on that. Um,
0: the Was season before Leicester. 5,000
1: to 1, wasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it. town can cause them problems as well as Leicester causing, causing town problems. So, it'll be an interesting game. I can see goals in it. Um, I think town's defen- defensively, town are better than Leicester defensively. But I think Leicester going forward are better than town going forward. So... It's one of those games which could be sort of a, a high-scoring draw, or you know, a six-goal thriller, or something like that. So, it's it's a game I'm looking forward to, and hopefully, we see some goals at the John Smith Stadium.
0: I think it's as you say, it's going to be quite open because that's how both teams like to play, and mm-hmm. I think that's actually where Huddersfield are more comfortable uh, than they are in against teams who sit back and are compact, and teams who play in a one-note fashion are the teams that. Wagner has struggled against most since coming to England um, and it's one that most foreign managers in honesty especially if they have a, a dynamic style of playing football that is built on transitioning quickly and doing things with a degree of incisiveness and intricacy as soon as that is taken out of the game and they're essentially dragged down to the level of somebody else In this probably goes to the West Ham game as well given the style of football they adopted. They struggle a bit more because they're not allowed to play the game they want to and he's shown the ability to sort of go around this on occasion, Rochdale away when, you know, he said the pitch was terrible so I'm going to put Heff up front. Mm-hmm. Obviously worked out, but it's the premier league so i'm not sure at half time sticking half up front is going to fly anymore so there needs to be a way of sort of finding a plan b if possible uh, which is what i think de Poitras is there for if if anything um even though he came on and didn't really get any service against west ham either so it's um it's an interesting one i think it's going to be open I, I can see it being a high scoring one as you say I, can, I think with their injuries and With the questionable members of their defence, personally, I would the lack of cover that Danny Simpson gets from Riyad Mahrez and the fact that he's got Wes Morgan next to him would be my advice. Would be run at them continually Mm. because one of them will at some point make a mistake and you will get through. Um. So much like the Southampton game, much like the West Ham game, I can see this one being sort of fairly even, but one that if they stand up and be counted, Huddersfield can win.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a winnable game. It's you know Leicester haven't started well; three losses from from four games. They're they're there to be to be got at, as you say. They're defensively, they you know they to say that most of their defense won a Premier League medal. You know that that says something about the Premier League that season as well as how well they played. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of those games where you know Town can win. It's it's going to be one of those games. Just to for a famous Bobby Robson quote, um, whoever scores the most goals wins, and that's what it's going to be like. There's not, I doubt, I doubt defensively Leicester will be there, but you know if Jamie Vardy and Okazaki play as well as they can, they'll cause Town problems as well. So no, we'll we'll see, but it's a it's a hard one to call because if Leicester click, they're their nightmare to to face. That's why they won the Premier League that season. If they don't click defensively they're there to be got at so it's it it could go massively either way um i'll i'll sit on the fence and say a draw there were a a lot of talk of
0: fairy tales in wagner's press conference today that seemed to be something that everyone was making a touching point of um what do you make of that is the fairy tale angle is something that i'm Quite uncomfortable with not where Huddersfield are concerned, where Leicester are. Not just because they beat my team to the title, but mainly because of sort of the catalyst for their season was so questionable, and the behaviour of some of their players during that season wasn't to taste, uh, to say the least. Um, obviously, in a sporting context, you can't really detract from it. Um, but is it something that you'd rather was just sort of, you know? it's another game of football rather than trying to force a narrative on it.
1: In terms of the game at the weekend? Yeah,
0: because it sort of, it almost feels as if, you know, on Sky when they do put a montage together on Super Sunday or something, they've mm. always got to find an angle as to why it's a massive game. Yeah, I think... Battle of the Fairy Tales feels a bit weak to me.
1: Well, I think one thing that, da- that we've learned from David Wagner is that he takes it one game at a time and anything that you've done in the past no longer counts for anything. For me, you know, you can bill it as the as the battle of the fairy tales, or whatever you want to want to call it. But you know, Towns' fairy tale fairy tale was last season. It's not this season, and Leicester's fairy tale was two seasons ago. Now they're just two Premier League teams going at it who are going to want three points. You know, it, it doesn't make any difference to me. It doesn't make any difference to the fans that they sort of earn promotion in a in a ridiculous way. When it comes to playing a game on Saturday, you know, it, you can say, "Oh, it, it's a fairy tale." If Town lose two nil, people aren't going to say, "Oh, but remember that time where we went up." <laughs> people are going to be like, "Well, we lost two nil to Leicester." So, you know, bill it as you want, but I think focus from the team, from from everyone, and from the fans, you know, it'll be on. It'll be on Saturday. They won't. They won't remember when it when it gets down to it. When it gets down to it, they're not going to remember. In the in the heat of a ninety-minute football match, they're not going to remember what they did last year or the season before.
0: We've had one question in on email from Liam, Liam sorry, Alan, who's asking about Christopher Lerver because he, he he says quite a few people have talked about how he had a bad night against West Ham. Uh, Scott Malone was brought on in his place. And Tony obviously quick mm-hmm. skinned him. I don't think he's going to be the last fullback that McCallantoni Antonio skins. He's probably a bit be- better. Than West Ham standard at present. Um, do you think that's a, a harsh judgment? Because Liam's under the impression that it is.
1: That that lover's. Is...
0: That he had a, a particularly bad night against West Ham.
1: Oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I don't think that says that much. I don't think he had a horrendous night against West Ham. I thought he was beaten by a man who's you know deservedly an England international, in my opinion. I think the thing that made it stand out a bit more was that Chris Lerva gives you sevens and eights every week, week yeah. in, week out. This is the first poor game of football I've ever seen Chris Lurver play, and is to say it was poor, wasn't to say he was shocking. It was that the other guy was also on on fire, and you know he it, it was man of the match by by far man of the match as well. So,
0: I think a contributing factor to it as well is that Rajiv Lapara is usually a quite competent defensive aide, he's usually, for, for all his faults going forward, all the flicks and tricks and all the annoyances that people have with him and have been aired plenty of times, one thing that he is reliable at usually is dropping back and helping out his fullback. And given my seat at the Kilner Bank and it's on that wing, I can see it firsthand, 10 feet in front of me, how much he works usually. That wasn't there and he he exposed... Lover more than he usually would be in, a, in another match against the best player on the park. So I don't think it's necessarily him being too poor. It's just on occasion, especially at this level in this division, you're going to come up against a player one-on-one and they're going to beat you one-on-one. Mm. The fact that he's been head and shoulders one of Huddersfield's best players over the first three games is enough to prove that he's not you know, out of place at this level or out of place in this division, he is more than good enough to be the starting left-back. And I don't think we should read too much in Scott Malone being brought on. I don't suddenly think this means that Malone will start against Leicester now as a given.
1: No, no, I I would agree with that. Chris Lover is the number one. What I would say, though, is that Scott Malone did play very well when he came on. Um, And I think to come into a game where Antonio had been you know, basically calling all the shots down that side and then to come in and kind of keep him quiet, you know, it, it doesn't push him above Chris Lover in the pecking order at all, but, you know, it, it makes you think, well, you know, what he, he's not being brought in to sit on the bench, he's being brought in to push Chris Lover, and I think that's what we've spoken about in many podcasts and now Town have two players in each position and Scott Malone just proved once again when he came on that, you know, he is a... A player that will get game time with Town.
0: If we project that forward, then this weekend they're going to be playing Riyad Mahrez on that side. He'll yes. start on the right wing, so line up against our left back, Malone or Lerva, Who I think, still for me, Lerva gets first refusal.
1: Uh, yeah, for me it's it's Lerva, but I think I don't think Mahrez carries the pace that Antonio does. I think he's trickier, probably, but he just doesn't carry the the sheer pace, which is what undid Chris Lerva but that would have undone quite a lot of full backs in the league. Antonio is, is rapid. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be Chris Lerver at the weekend. It, I can't see the back five changing at all.
0: Did you give a score prediction for the West Ham game? For, yes, you, did. You I did. I said 3-1 town. <laughs> yeah. I think you actually said 3-0 and then changed it to 3-1. Yeah. What would be your Leicester
1: prediction? 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. I, and I would take that. I would take a draw.
0: I'll say 2-1 Huddersfield. Uh, just because I think Leicester are there to be taken if yeah. they play properly. And I don't think David Wagner is going to let them have two bad games on the bounce. Have, have Aldersfield ever had two bad games on the bounce under David Wagner? I think there was a period last season yeah. where they lost
1: a few, but. March and also in October. October, last yeah. As well.
0: Maybe it's an October thing. We're getting yeah. to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they were still top oh. of the league at the end of September, though, in, in the Championship. So. And they finished in the top six. So <laughs> European football next year, anyone?
0: You've had enough European trips on the company's money. I can't
1: wait to go to Ukraine away next year, telling you.
0: Anyway, um, I think that's probably enough for today. We'll catch up on Monday, given that town have actually got a proper kick-off this weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, Beer52 offer, obviously, is still there for anyone interested. Beer52.com, coders, Huddersfield. Usually costs you £24 for a crate of beer. It'll only cost you £5.95 for delivery. Rory's drunken through about six crates already. Uh, that's why it doesn't make any sense yeah before the podcast (laughs) that's why it don't make any sense um itunes make sure you subscribe on there and leave us five star reviews and and nice uh feedback uh because apparently that helps if you do the same on audio boom as well you can subscribe on there for anyone who doesn't have an apple device which uh, apparently those people exist i never knew um
1: but that's about it. Yep. Goodbye, Rory. I'll speak to you on Monday. Ja, yep, speak to you then. Wie had dat gedacht? Van shoppen in Milaan naar achter de koopjes aan. <laughs> Gelukkig heeft Telford Smartpakkers niet het laatste model telefoon, maar wel de beste prijs. Dus <laughs> toch genieten? Geniet ook zonder te veel te betalen met Telford Smartpakkers. Zoals de Samsung Galaxy S7 met 1 Giga en 150 minuten. Nu voor maar 26,50 euro
0: per maand. Doe hier voordeel mee. Telford. Let op: geld lenen kost geld.